Hey everyone, I'm Anthony Gathers. And I'm Greg Weiss. And we, we are, are good, good dudes with bad hearts. hearts. No, literally. Our, Our hearts, hearts are, are broken. broken. I have heart failure. And I have a transplant. We never thought we'd have heart problems. But we do. And they're real. And they suck. And that's why we're here. To talk to you about heart failure, heart attacks, and everything that comes with these conditions. Each week, we will bring you an episode featuring guests with heart issues. We're talking about doctors and health professionals. And we're talking about everyday people. Like you and I. Together, we'll share useful information. Providing useful lifestyle tips. And how to prepare heart-healthy meals. We'll tell our stories and hopefully make our, your hearts, better. Welcome to Change of Heart. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Change of Heart. I am your host, Anthony Gethers, and I am with my co-host, Greg Weiss. Good morning. And today we have a very unique guest. I was talking to him at the gym, and we were basically talking about the whole idea of my situation when I was traveling to Europe. I was talking about my heart situation, and he um, said, hey, man, you know, do you want another guest? And I was like, well, who would that be? And he says, that would be me. I was like, well, you man, because you have great, you know, cardiac condition. And then he mentioned at some point that he grew up and he had a heart murmur. So today we have Idel, like the singer Fernandez, and he will discuss with us his situation, how he would, how he be, was able to grow out of it. Um, some of us are not so lucky sometimes. Some of us find out later that we have this problem. But yeah, so welcome to the show, uh, Idel. Welcome to the show, Idel. No, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Really happy to share my story. It's, uh, it's one that I, I feel like not too many people are very aware of, that they don't hear often enough or at all. And I love that this is a platform that, that you know, men can come together and have these kinds of literally heart-to-heart conversations about these things and hopefully come together and overcome these together. Where did it all start? So, you were yeah, born I, was, I was born in Mexico and yeah, so I was born in Mexico in a small state small town, small state called Puebla, which is about a four to six hour bus ride south central of Mexico City. And Mexico City is about dead center in in, in Mexico. It's the, the mm-hmm. capital of the country. And, you know, my mother was a teacher. And so I was diagnosed and they, they, they I was literally right on right on that little cusp of we should open this guy up and fix his heart or we can instill very difficult these overcome these challenges together and instill these proper habits that healthy habits to help him maneuver his life in a, in a, in a forward progress manner so okay. we decided not to open me up and you know we kind of went through it and i guess when we came here i i we, we actually crossed the border illegally <laughs> And uh, so that was a nice little, nice little stress test to, to put a nice little toddler through. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I got to this country, right? <laughs> so I was roughly about five or six years old when I did that with my mother. Mm-hmm. And then we come to this new country and we do all this movement from basically we cross into Texas, go to California. And then from California, we go cross country into Westchester. And then I come finally to, we call them in, in Rockland County. Okay. How, how the language you? barrier. I I was about six years old, five years old by the time I got here. Oh wow. Okay. And yeah, so my mother was always was always she always did her due diligence. I never missed a doctor's appointment when I was with her. So she always she 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 was, did an awesome job. 
And with the language barrier, my understanding of the heart of a heart murmur was it was a hole in my heart. But through later research, found out that it's not a hole in the heart. It's the holes in my heart, which they which they meant were the valves in my heart. Mm -hmm. And you can't the the way a doctor diagnoses this, he has to take the stethoscope and he hears like a swooshing sound. Mm. So it's an irregular heartbeat. And the valves are, are irregularly uh, firing. And what it does is it makes me very, very prone to early onset. Um, it leaves me a very, at a high risk for, for heart failure, heart disease. And um, I guess on the psychological aspect of it, it also leaves me very prone to having uh, high, like high anxiety really? issues, hmm. um, panic attacks. Okay. Even that. Yeah. Even, so even at that early age, and you also it, 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 it messes with the uh, with the. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I, we kind of had to get coached through it along the way, but I was also told I probably should not be so involved in very competitive sports. I should be active to maintain myself, but not at a very high competitive level, which I kind of disregarded. It. <laughs> I ended up playing very competitive sports throughout my entire life and mm. uh, which thinking about it now it makes sense why my, why my mom would not want to be present in most of my games i think she was very fearful of what was potentially like to potentially happen mm. wow so but uh and, yeah you know, how old are you when you when you were hit the ground running with sports yes yep i mean how old are you when you decided that you want to go into sports i mean obviously look was your town actually when you came to westchester were you surrounded by athletes so I was in Westchester. I was I, I wasn't at the age where where organized sports was was prominent. It wasn't until when we moved into Rockland, and I lived in Spring Valley. And I was an out. I was always an outside kid. Okay. So in those times, you know, your your neighborhood raised the kid. Sure, sure. You know, like my mother. You know, she was a, she was a single mom, so she was always at work. So especially in the summer, I was always outside playing sports with my with the neighbor kids. Mm. And because those weren't such, so uh, at least from what my mother's understanding was, those weren't like very competitive times. She was okay with me going outside and being with my friends. And okay. whosoever's parents were, were home that day, they were kind of, that they were the ones that were responsible for all the kids that day. We would all go back to their house, uh -huh. hang out, come back out. And sp sports was always a big thing with all the kids because back then, it was a low income environment. So not every, so most of us didn't have the video games that were coming out and video games were also still very new at that right. time. Cause I, it wasn't how it is today where, you know, everybody's locked in on screen and every kid, every household has some kind of video game and every kid is playing a video game for three plus hours a day. Mm -hmm. You know, back then, if you weren't outside for three, four plus hours a day, you were the weird, you, you were the odd one out. Now yeah, they never the saw you. They never saw you. you, you what's he doing inside yeah, no. all day? Can, yeah. I, can I ask a question? Yeah, so um, all, all, all my friends play sports, of course. A question I have, um, Adele, is um, about your doctors. Did you always have the same doctor? Did you always see the same cardiologist who was watching what was going on inside you? Well, back home, uh, no, because well, no, because we were moving around a lot. 
And it wasn't until we settled in New City when I started to see the same general physician. Mm -hmm. And I had the same that that doctor because before that it was, you know, it was like I said, we were low income. So it was kind of like a clinic kind of environment. So it was basically whatever doctor was available. And and and, and you would you would update them. You would always tell them you had a heart murmur, so they were always yeah, looking for. Yeah, my mother would tell it. them, and then yeah, well, well, I, I, they would always, well, they would always find it. Okay. They would always tell me, "Did you have something with your heart?" Because yes, yeah, so one of the first things they do as soon as the doctor walks in is he. T- that's. One of his first issues, the first thing that he checked between that and one of the first. So he's so they would always confirm it for us. Gotcha. It was it was nothing we ever had to hide or, or have to disclose. It was very gotcha. within minutes of 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 the checkups. They would tell us, "Oh, you have a heart murmur," and we're like, "Oh yeah, we know." So, <laughs> well, no, but it, it, it and the, and the reason why I ask is is. It's usually one of two things. Sometimes people see a doctor almost their whole lives, the same doctor. And other times they're always meeting some somebody new who's either, like you said, rediscovering it or overlooks it and doesn't see it at all. And um, it sounds like you've been very blessed that, that when you've had these meetings with these physicians that, that they were able to point out that your issue – was foremost in your condition mm-hmm. yeah and no, it was definitely nice and it's it, honestly i was i was very blessed to have this kind of cocktail of things that kind of worked in my favor so my mother's history is you know so me and my mother were immigrants my brothers are both first generation uh immigrants because they were both i have two brothers that were born here but my mother she was actually raised on this very big far like in a very big farm area. So all the food that she had ever consumed through her life, through the majority of her life, until we came to here, she knew where it came from. My, my grandfather's land bordered a river, so they always had fresh fish if they wanted fish. If they wanted chicken, the chicken was literally pecking, the, the, was literally just pecking around 20 minutes before it was on the table. And <laughs> uh, Any kind of livestock or any kind of like butcher cut you wanted, you knew exactly where it came from because it was a... a very big barter system. If you didn't have the fruits and vegetables on, on your property, you're most likely your neighbor did. So you would just walk your way, walk your way down, see what they had. And if they had something of, of their interest, then you would just trade or kind of like, Hey, I, 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 I owe you. Okay. Now as a young kid, it, it didn't catch you off guard that you were, you saw the chicken out, you know, roaming the yard. And then like a half hour later was on the table, <laughs> but you weren't like, what? Oh my God. Well, I was always like, I was, I was very young, so I didn't witness it. And I kind of have a, I have a lot of other like kind of issues where I kind of disassociate, disassociated a lot of parts of my early life okay. because of kind of the, kind of like my upbringing and things that happened around me. So there's parts of it that are like, there are kind of, there's gaps in there. Yeah. yeah for the so, most you part, certain, so you admit certain stories from the, from the, from the life mix. Right. Right. The, the bad ones or the really bad, like, like the not too bad ones. And then the really, really traumatic ones I kind of have locked in there somewhere. Okay. Like everybody else. <laughs> but um, no, so my mother always knew what, like, what, what kind of fruits and vegetables were in season and when to get them appropriately. Mm-hmm. And she kind of carried that knowledge coming here. So when we would go in the supermarket, she would know, 
these fruits aren't supposed to be in season and why are they on the shelves? So she would kind of avoid those at certain times of the year. I guess unbeknownst to her, she knew when these things were starting to be like grown in labs and they were adding all these chemicals to our fruits and vegetables. So she would always kind of have that knowledge. And growing up, I hated it because in the house, we never had fruits now. Never had sodas. We never had any of those like super like reprocessed foods. It was never in the house. And I always hated it because I would be in, in class uh, during snack time. And I look to my left and my right and all my friends had all these snacks that I wanted. And I'd open up my, like my bag and I'd have like fresh fruits in there. But unbeknownst to me, that was what my mom, my mom was helping me out. So when I would ever have like any kind of any kind of soda consumption it was me sticking off to my friend's house and having a little mm. bit there, but there was never any in the house. And I kind of carry that habit now. I don't drink soda as much. I, my alcohol consumption is not very high. Uh, I, I try to eat very clean now. And those are, these are all habits that were instilled in me at a very young age. Okay. And this was before I took sports very, very serious. And roughly around the time I was about uh, 13 is when I started, like 12, 13 years old is when I started to take soccer very, 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 very serious to the point where I would ask my mother to buy me books on like what kind of drills I can do. And in those books, they also have like that, they kind of help you guide yourself with, with diet plans. And I would very much so take in that information and I would try to I was trying to get to the highest level possible. And if eating the right thing was, was going to help me, it was just like, you know what, if this is what, it's, what I'm going to, what I need to do, this is, a, it wasn't that big of a sacrifice to me. Mm. And it kind of came, the heart murmur kind of was kind of put on the back burner. And it was how far can I, can I like push myself safely and how far can I, can I, can my talents and my, <clears throat> and my consist consistency and discipline take me? In, in, in regards to the sport. So all it was kind of like, like I so it was kind of a nice combination of things that kind of took me farther than, than I guess I should have been able to. Can I um, ask you, like, were you monitored with blood pressure, with blood sugars? Was that, was that a part of your routine, knowing what your heart was doing? Ankle? So it's very hot and in those times I remember that every so often the teachers would come in and they would teach us how to take like our own our, our own pulse. Yes. Like through, you know, through through your neck or on your on your wrist. And they would always kind of make a like a classroom experiment and not necessarily a, a competitive thing, but when you got a bunch of boys like, you know, who are competing with each other every so often finding different ways to compete with each other. It's like, oh, whoever has the lowest heart rate is supposed to be the healthiest one. So it was almost like a competition who could have the, the lowest heart rate. Mm-hmm. So unbeknownst to me, I, I, I always had, because of how, how active I was throughout my life, I've always actually had one of the more lower ones in the class. And your diet, and your and diet as well. Do, right, and that had a big part to do with the, the, mm-hmm. the fresh foods that I was eating. Yeah, so no, it's a big it, part it, of it also it, with being active. It's yeah. definitely it's definitely out of the norm from from what most people in our community experience between right, the, pi- right. the pizzas, the fast foods, uh, the milkshakes, all the availability of of a sugar based diet 
that leads to heart disease and diabetes. Um, you, you avoided a lot of it mostly because of your guidance from, from your mother. And, um, a lot has to, a lot has to do with that. And, uh, on another episode, we actually interviewed my mother and, and she was the first anti-sugar, sugar substitute, fresh foods, um, guiding my life, but I didn't necessarily listen. So it, 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 it down the road, it affected me more on my father's side than I would say my mother's side. And my father ended up having a lot of heart programs because problems because he was more of a, a steak and potato couple times a week guy. And, um, you know, it's pretty much the common thing in America. And, and my mom wasn't, my mom was always more fish and chicken and much more vegetables and fruit. And even though I, I was in the middle of all that, um, eventually it didn't prevent me from having heart disease, but, um, I, I commend you and congratulate you. So let's, let's fast forward a little, um, like in your twenties, were you playing competitive sports? Well, I, yeah, that was actually when I got the most competitive because I was actually playing. That's when I was playing in college. And, and I was blessed enough to play. I didn't play. I played college, and I also was playing semi-pro after the fact that I was playing college. Oh, wow. And I was able to go as far as winning. I was able to go as far as winning a conference championship with, with my respective school. And when you win your conference, that's what, that's what you see on television is the NCAA tournament. Yes. So I was actually able to. I was actually blessed enough to go compete in the NCAA tournament. We didn't go far, but you know, not too many people could. They they were even no. able to step uh, through the door. No, I understand. That's that's a tremendous but, accomplishment. Wow. Yeah. So when did you realize a team effort? See, I wanted to get back a little bit. So what was that? So I want to bring it back a little bit, but then come forward again. So so you had the athletic abilities. So you said you were about 13 when you first got into what you first took it seriously. At some point when we were talking yeah. in advance, you said you were monitoring your mother's diet. You, know, you were monitoring what she would cook, and you would tell her not to put salt in the food because you, yes, now you – Yes, yes, yes. So, tell me, so tell me a little bit about that. So I was, always, I, I was almost hyper paranoid, and this and it had absolutely nothing to do with the heart murmur because, like I said, I, I guess we kind of, like, found our, our rhythm with that, so everything else kind of was – was kind of formulated to enhance everything else. And I, my, I've always had this theory that about 12, 13 years old is when kids kind of figure out what sports they're going to dedicate themselves to and what sports they're actually going to be good at. That's kind of what separates your casual like athletes and versus the kids who can take the sports serious. And again, being in a single, like in a single mother home, after school, it was either I always had to go to some kind of practice or some kind of training. And even in the summertime, I had to figure out how to stay busy. Hmm. So I was in high school. I was kind of a unofficial three sport athlete. I played soccer was my main sport, uh, basketball and to win in the winter because I just had the I just I was just blessed with the athletic ability and the sport IQ to make the school team. But I wasn't good enough to like be on the starting roster. But being on the starting roster had like little importance to me. It was more about being in a team environment and staying active. And I'd rather be playing sports with my friends and be home in the middle of winter, and not being able to be like that's when it gets harder to play soccer because it's you know for the obvious reasons of the there being snow on the ground. 
Mm. And in the summertime, I was actually put in, I was actually put into boxing. Well, my mother played around with different like combats growing up because once she wanted me to be able to de- defend myself mm-hmm. and she'd be someone who's not to be messed with but also having to the, the know how to, to to control it oh wow and that's something they kind of if if you're in any kind of a combat and envi- combat sport environment that's kind of the first thing they teach you okay. is that we're teaching you this to be disciplined and not to just willy-nilly start like punching kids in the face just because you know how because you know how to do it exactly so I, I was, yeah, just because you know how to doesn't mean you should. Exactly. And they kind of, te- they instill that, that they, they instill that to you at a very early stage in, in your training. Okay. So I was actually put, once I, I, I kind of fell in love with boxing. Okay. Uh, mainly because of my, my, my cultural and, and heritage background. We, you know, Mexico has very prominent boxers throughout history. Oh, huge. So I, I fell in love with it naturally. And yeah. And uh, so I got into competing. I, I was going, I was on track to go into towards the Golden Gloves at, oh, wow. at a very young age. Yeah. So, so that's actually where my jump rope where I oh. today came from. That's kind of where I, I, I kind of picked that, picked up that habit. Right. But well, it's, um, a, it's a good habit. So, so the yeah, jump rope so, into your boxing training. And, that was in your boxing training, the jump rope. Right. Okay. Well, let me comment so, on that. Let me, let me, hold, well, let me go back to the diet thing. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So, so at that age, at around 13, 14 is when I picked up the book. And in that book, it kind of told us, you know, different ways to how, how to set up your diet plan to, to compete at the highest level for, for practices and for game day. And I saw, somewhere in there, I kind of misinterpreted something. And it said salt, heavy salts are, 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 are bad for you, which is true. You know, it says, oh, that's in my mind. I was like, if I have too much salt in my diet, I'm going to de- I'm going to get dehydrated. I'm going to cramp. So I would I would walk in and out of the kitchen when my mom would be cooking and monitor. I'm like, mom, don't put salt in my food because I'm going to dehydrate and cramp on the field. Don't put it. And she would like, like laugh at me, disregard me because she has to season the food somehow. She's not just going to put bland food out. I've never been to a Mexican household in a Mexican household that had bland food on the table. So my mom would like laugh and she would like, sneak the salt in to make sure she seasoned it the way that she wanted to and now i know better i know you actually do need it your your body does need a little bit of salt to actually hydrate itself absolutely everything in moderation you know that's what they always tell you it's just that some people don't know what that moderation level is no well one of the one of the things where that 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 habit kind of picked up the I, in my own travels of heart disease and nutrition, the relationship that I became aware of was salt with potassium, that it's the salt and the potassium that manage your electrical system in your heart and your body. And it was something that my doctors had always right. watched and where I would never, ever really have a, a salt issue. What I ended up having was a potassium issue. And uh, you end up learning that the two have a relationship in, in managing how your organs are working. And um, was potassium ever, did that ever come across your radar in your diet plans? Well, not, well I wasn't focused on the potassium itself, but I, I, I knew potassium was, was in bananas Important. and bananas was always in the house. Yes. Yeah, so, but I, but later in life, I also found out 
bananas are good and bad depending on when you have them. Yes. And coaches always gave out bananas as well. Okay. So the, the potassium in the bananas and the sugar in the bananas kind of help you one day reduce your, 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 your risks of cramping and dehydration. Mm -hmm. But because of the amount of natural sugars in the banana, it keeps you active. Mm -hmm. So if you have bananas in the beginning of the day with your meal or during right before a, a, a training session, it's good. But if you have a banana at, at night. night, it's very bad because of how high it is. And yeah, because of mm -hmm. how high it is in natural sugars. And then because you're you're in a sedative state in a, in a, in a stationary state for, for a prolonged time, that that sugar just sits in your body. And because oh, yeah. your body doesn't know what to do with it, it stores it for later, and then it gets stored in as fat. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like the double-edged sword that you play with with, 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 with the bananas. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, the, the other reason why bananas were always available at home was my mother, she grew up because they had a lot of fish because of the river that I had mentioned earlier. Sure. Uh, they would have a lot of fish, and one of the ways that they would, if you happen to get the, the misfortune of having a bone stuck in your throat, they would they would suggest having a banana to help uh, wash it down because of the consistency huh. of the banana would catch the bone and help pass and then so amazing bananas on it <laughs> in the pantry yeah so there's something that I don't you know want... if that's a real story don't put don't hold me that's fact I've never had to use that I've never had to use no but it's, it just sounds but that it was sounds something like my mother like stood by <laughs> yeah but well, it but it... so the so the banana would actually. If you had a bone stuck in your throat and you were eat a banana, the banana in theory would actually loosen what, the bone. Loosen the bone up. I'm, I'm assuming it can't naturally decompose. Loosen the bone and, and and help it pass. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, it's probably gonna sit in there for a while, but but it's well, better than choking, I guess. Even I hope that you don't choke in the process before that bone before the bone doesn't go down. Yeah. That would suck. That's amazing. Yep, so. you, you always hear new things from, from different people, from different places, and uh, natural remedies are certainly one. So that's yeah. uh, that's an amazing story. Now tell us about your – now, in your modern yeah, day at this point, what are you doing to – do you still monitor your heart? You know, even though you kind of grew out of it, but do you still monitor it at this point? And, like, what – then explain your gym routine as well. I know that in the gym you really go out there and you and – you, I just I'm just enamored by your routine, especially your cardio, because you spend a lot of time doing cardio. So, I don't think, I've never seen you lift weights. I've never I've always seen you do um, cardio and always the exercise that involves your, your body weight. Tell a little bit about that. I, so my one of my theories uh, is that if this isn't something I can do, so I'm 34 now and I've been working out. In the well, for, in regards to the gym, roughly about six years now, and my theory along the way that I've that I've kind of come to the conclusion is that if I can't do this when I'm 60, 65, 70 years old, then I probably shouldn't be doing this now. So for me, it's what I, what can I do sustainably long term, is what I'm going to continue to do. And just through my research and, and looking over different work different routines different body types and just my own personals i've learned that moving your own body weight in regards to calisthenics is probably the best way to stay fit and and strong well into your your into your later days of life because i'm always those, those are the guys that i'm seeing that are about 
you know, you go into the city and see these these gyms that are put outside that are just, you know, pull-up bars, pull-up bars and dip bars. And I just see these guys that are, that are way much, much more into their senior years still able to do these. So that's what I incorporate into my workout routine. Legs, push, pull, legs. So push just means anytime you're literally pushing, which is kind of like a, a chest workout, like a push-up, a bench press, sure. or dip. And a pull is, 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 is just that. It could be a pull-up, a, a, a dumbbell curl. And that's my Monday and Tuesday. It's, it's just strictly body weight. And I'll add weight to myself with, through, a weighted, through a weighted vest to increase mm -hmm. the, the, the difficulty. And then yes. Wednesday, Wednesday, I kind of do a, a, it's like a stability day. So okay. I kind of take care of my lower limbs without having to do extremely high weights in regards to like squatting very heavily because right. the form is also important to me. Because again, if you can't do this long term, then you probably shouldn't be doing it short term. Yes. So I, 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 I kind of uh, do that to make sure that my lower limbs are, 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 are always able to, to sustain what I have to do. Yep. I want to comment on the that. same kind of pro, um, the same thing again on Thursday and Friday, but that's time, a, uh, free weight you, work because you were the one that helped me uh it was two a couple of things you helped me with in the gym you helped me uh with my with my uh my, my crunches my ab work because you said that i was pulling too hard on my neck mm -hmm. so you made the adjustment on that yeah now i do that on a regular basis now at that point because there's a and i also feel the, i feel the end results are much better like i actually feel it before i think i think i was putting too much pressure on my neck and not getting a lot of the not getting a lot of the results in my abs, so that makes I to so that I will say that that is a testament to your abilities because when you show me something, it wasn't bullshit. It actually worked. I'm in, I'm really impressed with the um, the intensity and the management of, of how you break down yeah, all so the exercises. Yes. So it, I'm a big, to me, a big it, it, uh, believer in yes. balance. Can you, can you talk about that more? So what, so about what how I've learned is, is uh, so balance is important in, in, in all aspects. But what I mean is on a physical level is if you look around, you see a guys, they're very, they, they, they favor a lot of chest workouts. And if you notice, you'll see they'll have their shoulders rolled rolled forward. Yes. And then that creates bad posture. Yep. And now what that means is you have to remember our, our entire body is connected, especially through our muscle tissue. And if your chest is is is, is extremely is, is much stronger than your back, that's what's pulling the shoulders forward. Yes. And now vice versa, if your back is the back muscles is is, is a lot stronger than your chest, you have a, a much more forward uh, push chest because of the tension that it's creating and that can all create different problems along the way so it's always so always having to balance everything out was was always important to me i just so i just want to say for the record making sure i did the, the, the i'm out of balance i'm very out of balance very saying he's out of balance <laughs> most of us are most of us are most of us are and you kind of have to you have to walk that fine line you know and being off balance isn't a bad thing 
But uh, yeah, so I kind of. What do you think I, I, I that kinda... people should do? What was that? So what do you think that people should do? Because I, I mean, look, where our country's what's it, sixty-five percent obesity? I think it is. I think it might be. Over, I actually might be. I find that when they give you a stat, they give you a number. It seems to be, seems to be actually worse than that. Um, yeah. So, like, what do you recommend? And especially with your generation, because you're you're part of the digital age. And I find with the digital age, they seem to be uh, locked into their uh, doing the whole text messaging thing. Everything is digital. Everything's on a computer. Device and oriented. It's always device oriented. And it seems to be uh, device oriented and instant gratification. We're taking care of yourself is delayed gratification yeah. you know, to get the results in the long run. So right. what do you recommend, especially to this generation in, in particular, I find that my generation is a little... Where we're, we're kind of a little off. Um, yeah, I might be. I might so, be the last. So you hit the. So for me, no, you hit the nail on the head with the instant gratification. So, you know, and, and that relationship that people have with their with their with their phones and technology because everything is instantaneous, mm -hmm. and and there's a huge dopamine spike when we have these these instant results, and people want things now. They don't want to. They don't want to wait for the results to show up later, huh? and that kind of goes along the way with with how easily the available bad food is. Sure, because it's a, it's usually a lot easier to make. Like, like it doesn't take that much effort to just season some chicken and drop it in a deep fryer because mm. it's it's quick and easy, and it comes right back out. Also, America. Amer the, the other thing is America's favorite fruit texture is crunch, uh -huh. which is if you look around, all the foods around us have some kind of a crunch to it. All of our favorite foods, and that's uh -huh. usually a testament to you know us deep frying most of our foods. Um, so I'm going to ask. So if, okay, go ahead. You can finish. So if you know, kind of like, yeah. So if you know, crunch is your favorite texture. You can kind of cheat your way. It's like eating some carrots or eating some celery because that kind of has a crunch to it. Sure. And you can kind of dress that up in a way that you can, you kind of want. So if you can know yourself and know what you like, you can kind of guide your way through, through a supermarket in a similar fashion, mm -hmm. but you just have to kind of understand what it is that you kind of like, what you like yourself yeah, and uh, formulate things to make it easier for you. As a member of the not digital device community and had to become in as 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 it advanced, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was you seem to be the exception to the rule. You because are. You really because are. you you know you know you're having a heart murmur. You know you have to eat right, you know you have to exercise and you want to be competitive. But when you look on the phones, it's basically the instant gratification is I'm either blessed with this good health or I'm not. And do you think yeah. that would stop people from trying to eat better, from trying to exercise? Because they just look at the phone, see somebody else, and they go, that's just not me. What do you feel so about that? Everyone for gets that you know especially when he puts their best face forward 
So they're not showing you the failures. They're not showing you the times that they're setbacks. They're not showing you the times that they couldn't do the things that everybody is, is amazed. So it's, I, I experienced a very similar thing because when I, when I started, I jump rope a lot and that became from boxing, but for boxing, it was more of a, a warm up thing. And you would do very simple moves. You know, if you, if you could throw in a couple crisscrosses in there, you know, you were pretty advanced. And when I was messing up on the jump rope, nobody paid attention to me in the gym. But then when I learned how to do all these turns and spins and, and these different elaborate tricks with the, with the jump rope is when everybody started to come and ask me about the jump rope. Same thing with, with the pull-up. When I was doing a regular pull-up and struggling to do three to five for a workout, nobody paid attention to me. But now when I'm doing close to 200 on, on a Tuesday, what? everybody wants to ask me about pull-ups as if like I just figured out yesterday that I can do these things. Wait, how many do you do yeah, in so total? so on my Tuesday, I average Did you hear that, Anthony? Pull-ups in the day. Yeah, that's nuts. So how many do you do in Roughly. total? <laughs> Dude, that's How many like... total? Roughly 200. <laughs> So you do two hundred, and you do it. You do not a, not at not all at once. Not 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 at one shot. By the time the day is done, I would have accumulated close. I would have compounded close to two hundred pull ups, if not more, depending oh, on the day. They used to say that. They used to say that about Herschel Walker. That Herschel Walker wasn't a weightlifter, but that Herschel Walker, by the end of his routine, was doing a thousand push ups and a thousand sit ups a day, training for football. And, yeah. and 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 I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing the similarity in the story here, and and that he his it seems like he achieved that balance, and it wasn't from weight training. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, again, gr- growing up, you know, all the best athletes that I knew around me, they weren't they weren't spending hours and hours in a weight room. They were, you know, they they did drills that were sports specific to them. Um, which is which is ironic uh, because yeah, Anthony so. Anthony and I went to the same high school, and the one thing we can tell you is is that the strongest guys were always bench pressing in the weight room. Yeah, and and they they it, well, I mean, it wasn't a, a cardio of... thing, and and it was always about power as opposed to endurance. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They were strong in the weight room. So- in the street, they sucked. If they got into a street fight, they used to get their ass. They used to have their ass tied to them because if they, they couldn't breathe, they couldn't hold you. If they couldn't get a hold of you within the first fifteen seconds, they were done. It, all they all were done all they, they had to do was run around mm-hmm. and tire them out, and then literally pick them apart, just slowly pick them apart. And that's <laughs> the reason why back then the routine was always power and not so much a cardio. Well, today. It's all about the cardio, especially you would know because straight from Mexico, Mexican fighters, the one thing they're known for is their the endurance. Their endurance. You punch them in the face, yeah. they don't get exhausted. They keep on coming until they're until they you have to you have to practically kill these guys half the times. And otherwise they'll just keep on going. I mean they they kind of, Yeah, well they, they instill that in us through 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 our stories, uh, through our childhood stories about like the Aztec Empire and how we overcame you know the the conquistadors. You know how we all we're always fighting. We're always fighting. You we we never back down. So it's always been like a pride thing for us to 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 keep going. And my mother always instilled that in me too. She's like, no matter what, she's like, we're not victims. Mm. We're not victims. We're survivors and we're victors. 
Wow. And it's kind of a, a theory. I kind of I kind of talked about this earlier with a friend of mine. It's it's if if you look back at your family history and at your ancestors, we come from a very long line of warriors, and and you know our, our ancestors defeated hordes of enemy invasions and different different things that were intended to wipe out that that wiped out entire cities and towns mm-hmm. and it's almost if if you, if you don't put your best foot forward today it's almost like a a, a slap in the face to your ancestors of, of previous times that, that fought so hard for you to be here because mm-hmm. okay. if you if you just look at math, mathematically how many died and how many lines of, of, of family lines have, have, have just died off or something about that and understand that, you know, there, there were a lot of fighters in your life before you. Sure, uh, sure. A lot of people fought for you to be here. So do you I, think I, a I've, lot always, I've always had that in the back of my mind where it's like, I have to keep going forward. I have to do my best. Okay. Do you think a lot of people forgot about that, especially now with the shitty diets? And then you have the instant gratification and everything is device oriented, electronic device oriented. Do you think people have kind of lost their way in that department? I think people are too forward looking and they forget about what was before them that brought us here. Mm. Oh, and so you, you think kind of, that... they, they lose sight of that. Okay. So, so that, for that reason alone, well, you don't think that being forward looking and also interjecting your past history can be a combination that, that people can work with? Uh, you, yeah, because um, you have to, it, it's, it's almost like a, um, it's uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a, um, not a theory. It's a progression. Not an, kind of like an equation, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, your your past influences your decision making today and the decisions you make today influence tomorrow mm, but a lot of people okay. forget about their past and they kind of have throws off their decision making now technology so, you know a lot of the yeah. stuff that happened in my past you know i use that yeah so i, I mean how use that you... to navigate what I, what I what i do forward you know you can't look hmm? now how do you think people how do you think people should change that i mean it sounds like uh like you know, like you know where you're going, obviously, because you because you you built really good habits, and then and you maintain those habits. I mean, um, how do you think people? Should, I mean, look, did this society need an overall restructural change, or you know, is there is there restructuring that it really needs, or do you think that people individually should actually start yes. to think of the overall health? Um, so so be the failure. Because anytime you start something new, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what it is. You're not going to be good at it, especially if you've never done percent of people that are that excel at something the first time they've ever tried it. Sure, sure. And yep. you can well, Adele. If well, if I can ask you a question, apply. how do you feel today? How's your How's your heart working? I, I, are you at I, I, a form of are, are you pushing forward and and what's next for you there be feel i'm probably in the best shape i've ever been in my life in regards to my physical health i 
my most athletic, but I'm definitely my best shape, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. So, I mean, you, you, you're talking to two guys here in, in their 50s. Yep. And um, where I would say Anthony is definitely more of a, a positive uh, physical specimen than I am. I'm 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 the opposite end who's uh, who's gone through a lot of procedures to keep kicking here, and uh, yeah, I see Anthony flexing. I don't flex that much, and uh, um, you know, to to both of us to be at this part and and talk to you, it, we both wish we can go back in time and start a bunch of things over. Yeah, and. You know, it, not many people are um, focused on on their health as a priority because we live in such a fast-paced digital community, instant gratification kind of culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, to hear you talk about that is is really eye-opening and it's refreshing. And and we really hope that that people watching and listening to this find you as an example and a role model of, of how to overcome. We've, we've spoken to people already. Um, the most common theme is we've heard heart murmur as a child. Yep. And it related to valve issues. And everybody that hasn't been focused like you have your whole life are going to run into surgery. They're going to run into replacements, yeah. and we don't see that for yeah. you. We see, we, we 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 see you overcoming that with lifestyle and exercise. I see you doing lots of. I see you yeah, doing and, and also. By, by, uh, you, I see you doing four hundred pull-ups by the time you hit seventy-five. Straight, yeah. straight through, straight through, straight through. I, I hope. I hope. I. I I hope I'm blessed enough to 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 be able to be able to continue that and have no hiccups along the way. It's, it's definitely been a, I, I'm definitely aware of the blessings that have come my way and the things that I had to do to maintain those as well. Okay. Because some people they 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 they're bestowed blessings but they don't know what to do with them all the time. Mm, okay. So before we wrap up, like, what are your final words, people who want to get into shape and uh, they, if they have a hard thing, like, what would you suggest that they do? So first, remember the phone is a tool. It's, it's just like being in a mechanic shop. If you don't know how to use a wrench, then you're, you're kind of shit out of luck. But if you got a wrench and you know how to use a wrench, you can do a lot with it. There's, there's definitely a lot of apps out there that can help you figure, formulate a nice diet plan, or a nice workout plan, a nice routine that will work for you. Um, always formulate these things that work for yourself because what works for me may not work for somebody else that's watching or listening and you focus on on breath work because our 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 breath rate is is in very deep relationship with our heart rate yes so if you can kind of manage your your your, your breath work you you can kind of get yourself around a lot of the problems because as i said before you know heart murmurs leave you leave you prone to, to panic attacks and 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 vulnerable and high anxiety situations Mm, so if you can do the if you can if you can do the inner work to understand yourself you can kind of express that outwardly in a different in in a, in a healthy manner okay. awesome that's fantastic and thank you for coming on today yes 
I always learned. I always learned something new and different from our guests. No, same. Because I've, I'm going to say I've made every mistake and been blessed to overcome it. And um, it, it, whenever I, I, I'm reading someone's book or we're, we're doing an interview, I always get this this piece of advice that will stick with me. And I got more than one today from you, Adele. And I want to thank you again for coming out. Yep. Thank you very much, Adele. No, thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. You know, catch you come, we'll have you come on again next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk more because you have a lot of insight into how people should eat and exercise. Yep. And uh, it's something we want to express to people watching the show. No, I'd be more than happy to. You know, if I can, if I can help eliminate other people's mistakes on their learning on their learning process and and help move that that forward progress a little bit faster, then you know why not? You know, information is for everybody, not just for individuals. You know, well, so help, we help Anthony. With, with he needs it now. I need it now. I need it. My help picture. Anthony. He needs it now. Me, it's well, too late. The one thing he sees me doing, like, where I want to pick up more in the cardio. Where my I'm pretty good on the hip mobility part. That's where the flexibility part I'm I'm pretty solid in. It's my cardio I need to really work on. That's that, especially I, I, will, I, I, I will give you that. I, the way I've seen you stretch before, I don't know if a lot of people even my age can 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 get their foot up that high while stretching. <laughs> he, he takes pictures. Don't worry, we all yeah. see it. I'll trust. Yep. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Adele. Thanks, guys.